Thank you very much to our worship team, our music team, as they uh, take time to lead us in song. Isn't it great to hear other people's testimonies about what God is doing in their lives? It is exciting. You can clap. Who is clapping? Someone knows. You can clap. And we praise God for what he is doing what he is doing and what he has doing. And uh, this is just a beginning for each one of them. May we uh, continue to walk with them as they uh, seek to grow and mature in Christ. Mature in Christ. There we go. And uh, since we usually have like a cake or something, and apparently we're not allowed to do that. So make sure that you say hi outside and just say that you're praying with them and praying for them as they continue to grow and mature in Christ. And also we want to welcome one of our missionaries, the Robinsons here, who are here. Uh, they're doing their, is it safe to say, the final tour. The final tour as they get ready to start a new chapter in their life um, of retirement before they move to Moncton, which is a beautiful place. So hopefully we thank you for your service and how you've served God faithfully over the years. We'll continue to pray with you and for you as you make this transition. So they'll be outside too, so you can say hi to them as well. This summer we're walking through the Psalms. So if you have your Bibles with you, please open them to Psalm chapter 103. As we take time to just reflect upon who God is, as I also need to turn my mic on. There we go. Let me ask you this question. Have you, do you ever doubt that God loves you? I know for, for any of us, it's probably a question that pops up into our mind every once in a while. We doubt that God loves us. You know, I have. It's something that I have dealt with and, and struggled with. I wonder how God can continue to love me. If I've gone too far, I wonder if there is something that I could have done that is unforgivable. I, I, sometimes I doubt that God loves me. And I know I'm not the only one. We have that sense, that feeling sometimes in our lives. And as we open up Psalm 103, we will see a song of thanksgiving and praise that starts and ends with an invitation to praise God, which is really book's ends of the reasons why we should praise Him. The psalm reminds us of why we praise Him. It reminds us of God's unbelievably compassionate heart for his people, for sinners like you and me. In this psalm, we will see King David being taught to give thanks to God for how God has been merciful to him. And then by the grace of God, that the grace of God has been given to his chosen people because of his covenant love and how he has adopted them as sons and daughters so if you have your Bibles, please open them to Psalm 103 and follow along with me as we walk this through together. The word of the Lord says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is in within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all our iniquities, who heals all your diseases who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who, steadfast, uh, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. 
He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repays us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a child shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dusts. As for man, his days, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it's gone and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, all you, his angels. You mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts. His ministers who do his will, bless the Lord all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. This is the word of the Lord. For you songwriters out there, this is the gold standard, by the way. This is a psalm of thanksgiving with a call to praise God for all that he has done. So in the first few verses, in verse 1 to 5, we see a call to praise God and to remember. The songwriter calls to himself. You can hear the stirring within his soul as he begins to reflect on all that God has done. Don't be lazy in your praising of God, is what he is saying to his own soul and what he's saying to you and to me. He puts his whole being, his whole soul into what he is about to do. And to praise God, you see that, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Why does he say this? He says it that with all that is within me, he doesn't hold back. And how can he do this? In verse 2, he says, forget not all his benefits. If you walk away from something this, this week, this Sunday, this morning, it's verse 2. Verse 1 and 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Why? Is in the next part. Forget not all, all His benefits. The pastor once said it this way. I think I got the quote up there. It says this. How is it that we are so listless and drowsy in the performance of this, the chief exercise of true religion? If it is not because our shameful and wicked forgetfulness buries in our heart the innumerable benefits of God, which are openly manifest to heaven and earth, did we only retain the remembrance of them? The prophet assures us that we would be sufficiently inclined to perform our duty since the sole prohibition, prohibition uh, I can't talk today, which he lays upon us is not to forget them. 
So there's a call. Praise the Lord with everything that is in within you. Praise the Lord with a command. Don't forget all that God has done for you. And then it just lists it for the next couple of verses. Forgive all your iniquities. He, it starts with his forgiveness. This is the foundation to all the praise that we can give to our God. God has freely pardoned and blotted out all of our sins and received us into his favor. This is the foundation of why we praise our God for what he has done for us. For he heals all of the diseases. He is the heavenly physician who has made it possible for us to have a relationship with him. Who heals us from death. Who redeems your life from the pit in verse 4. And that pit is this idea of a, a, of a prison uh, a cell. Or where the dead people are buried. God has delivered his people from death and destruction. This is the reason to praise him more. And then he comes and he crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. His covenant with his people. God's pledge to love them faithfully. He is the author of the terms of the covenant that binds him and his people together. Not us. He has done all the work. It is through this that we can know his great love and his mercy. He has loved and and has so much compassion for his people, for he also, in verse 5, is the one who satisfies you with good. And it's, it's to the point that he satisfies us so much that as he continues on, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The New Testament talks about this as endurance and perseverance, which is the evidence that God is at work in the Christian life. You think of passages like in Romans 5, verses 3 to 5. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame. Why? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Or in 2 Corinthians 4, where it says, So we do not lose hearts. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. In James 1, we see, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Reflect upon what God has done for you through his Son, Jesus Christ. Do you hear the call? The call that the songwriter says to himself, that King David is writing to himself, reminding him and reflecting upon it. Do you hear the call? Because as we continue to reflect upon what he has done in verses 6 to 12, we say we praise the Lord for his forgiveness. These are the reasons for praising God. These are the actual praises that are called for in verses 1 to 2. We see in verse 6, the Lord works righteousness. God cannot intolerate injustice in this world. His rule is shown as righteous and, and will right what is wrong. 
And in verses 7 to 10, we see he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. And he can picture David just sitting back as he's writing this, this song out on his table, let's say is on his table. You know what's mind-blowing on a side note? King David. Did we not just learn about King David? He was not a perfect guy. You see God's grace and his mercy being poured out in his life? Like when you're reading some of this, that like, like when he comes along and he, and, and he says in verse 9, he will not always try nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins nor repays us according to our iniquities. He has a deep understanding of what that means. He deserved death. He slept with another man's wife and then killed him. He's a murderer and adulteress. Yet at the end of his life, we see what about him? That he was a friend of God. Our God is so good. Let us praise the Lord for his forgiveness. And he can picture David just sitting back in verses 7 to 10 as he's reflecting upon all that God has done for his people. We go all the way to Exodus 34, verses 6 to 7, where it says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquities and transgressions and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. And he didn't. That's what Jesus does on the cross. He pays the price for our sins. As he reflects upon what God has done, as he, God has made himself known to Moses, he also give, has given the people of God direction on how to live. So often that word legalism is thrown around. Oh, you're a legalist. And I'm quickly reminded of... A, a great movie called The Prince's Bride. Montoya. You keep using that word, he says. I do not think it means what you think it means. No legalism is this doctrinal position emphasizing a system of rules and regulations to achieve both salvation and spiritual growth. That's what legalism is. But here we see that, the, that, God, that David is reflecting upon how God has provided the law to Moses and to his people because the law, as Galatians 3.24 says, serves as a schoolmaster and a tutor to bring us to Christ. It is counter to the gospel to think that you can make yourself better. You can't. As we see in verses 7 to 10, as it continues on in verse 8, the Lord is merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always try, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Just meditate upon that for a bit. Think about what you deserve. Think about it. Outside of Jesus Christ, we deserve nothing but hell. But in Christ, he steps down from his throne. He dies for us. As we were reminded today with, with David talking about the gospel in 1 Corinthians, Christ died for our sins and he rose again. 
Do you want to know the God who is forgiving the good news? You can. The gospel tells us that Christ died for our sins and he rose again. That Christ, the long-awaited Messiah, born of the Virgin Mary, lived a sinless life. You can read all about it within the gospels. Pick one, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. I like Mark, it's fast. And I'm a guy, so it just gets to the point. John's a wonderful picture of heaven to earth. And how Christ died and Jesus being fully human and fully God was put to death on a Roman cross. He actually died. His heart stopped beating and was buried in a Jewish tomb. This death of Jesus was not an accident because we see in that next word, for, Jesus' death was substitutionary. For means in place of. Christ died in place of us. Me. You. The death of Jesus, that Jesus died was for all those who repent, who turn away from sin and believe, have faith in Jesus alone to save them. Why? Because we sinned against the holy God who created the world, the universe, just by speaking. We sinned against him. God told the first man, Adam, that if he sinned, he would die. The penalty of sin is death. The message of the gospel is that Jesus came to die in our place. He took our sin on himself and suffered the punishment of God in our justice and he was raised again as God's giant stamp of approval. And you can know the God who forgives all of what we have seen in these few short verses by repenting and believing in the gospel. If you have, this causes us to praise God as we reflect upon all that he has done for us. If you haven't, this is all condemnation. There's no hope for those who aren't resting in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is why we praise him. See, God says to you, come as you are and he will receive you. Empty-handed and he will enrich you. Guilty and he will forgive you. Trembling, and he will reassure you, as the pastor said. Verse 12, look at the breath of God's forgiveness. Look at that. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is our steadfast love towards those who fear him. So far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Think back to Micah 7. It says, Who is God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgressions for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. I can't comprehend the immense love that God has shown me. I can't. It, it brings me to my knees every time I dwell upon it. The immense benefits that I have because of what Christ has done for me, because I'm in Christ. If you are in Christ, these are the benefits you have. If you are in Christ. 
how can I not take this? How can I sit back and not cry from the mountaintops of the goodness of my God? How could I not, how could this not, this just dwelling upon God's forgiveness, how could this not push me out to my neighbors who desperately need to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? Or to my co-workers or to my fellow students whenever you guys get to go back to school. <laughs> how does this not urge me out to declare the goodness of what God has done for me? It causes me to praise Him. Does not our worship spur our evangelism? This isn't all of it, though. He, he, King David, he keeps going as he reflects upon verses 13 and 19. Praise the Lord for his compassion. God isn't just some guy out there forgiving all of our sins. He also shows compassion to his people. Look at verses 13 to 14 about towards those who fear him. In Christ, this is what you have. In Christ, this is who you are. The love of God is not indiscriminate. He loves those who fear him. He will forgive them, have compassion for them, and treat them as a child, as his child. Though he expects godliness, he is also understanding of our frailty because we're all like dust. And as he comes, he describes this as, as a father. In verse 13, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. I was confronted with uh, a similar thought here. Just a simple question from a friend of mine. He's a missionary in Quebec. And he said to me, you know, it was, a, it was a rhetorical question to another group of guys. He's like, you know, what if God parented us like we parented our children? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Right? As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. You know, we really need to look at our picture of who God is through how he has revealed himself. Some of us have had good fathers and some of us have had awful fathers. But that never determines who our God is, who our Heavenly Father is. He is perfect, He is compassionate. He is loving. And, and because we see in verses 15 to 18, as for man, his days are like grass. Even though we die, God's love is steadfast. Verse 17, sometimes the most popular bit, sometimes the biggest words are the smallest. Even though I'm going to die, and even though in 100 years I'm probably going to be forgotten, Probably, yeah. I hope at least two generations. Even though all those things might happen. Because that's a guarantee. I'm going to die. 17 says, But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. For those who fear Him and His righteousness to children's children... Like there's a benefit that comes out for those who fear him, that it, it gives it a possibility for not only our kids, but our grandkids to follow Christ. I look forward to the day of being able to sit back in my lazy boy chair, because I plan on having one when I'm old, 
and, and being able to sit in it and, and having grandchildren come up, right? And, and them just reflecting, Lord willing, obviously. I'm not putting any pressure on anyone. And, 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 and just reflecting upon God's grace as I get to, and Lord willing, I get to witness baptisms of my grandchildren. Right? Because it all started back here. But the steadfast love of the Lord for me is from everlasting to everlasting for those who fear Him. There's conditional statements through this whole thing. For those who fear Him. And to those who keep his covenants, and remember to do his commandments. This is an amazing thing. Amazing passage. Romans 5, verse 8, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Or 1 John 4, verses 10 to 12, In this is love. That we have loved God, but that, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be, I love this word. We need to learn this word more. To be the propitiation for our sins. There's an idea out there that we take this word out. Propitiation means the absorbing of God's wrath. Right? No, God was angry. He's angry against sin, and He, he, he provided the way to absorb it. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. You see, again, when we're reflecting upon how God loves us, that spurs us on not only to how we interact with one another, but how we show other people. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfect in us, perfected in us. These are the, for the people who keep his covenants and remember to do his commandments. See, what it means to fear God is also mean, it means to be obedient. Obedience is not legalism. Okay, it is not. Legalism, again, is me saying that I can get better relationship with God by something that I do. And ignoring about how all of these things, all of God's benefits are things that he has done for me. And I rest in that. I rest. And the wonderful testimony, right, that we were reminded about this morning, about the importance of resting in the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, God praises God, or sorry, David praises God and tells us who are listening to remember all the benefits of, of love and forgiveness. God crowns his people with steadfast love and mercy. And David is just amazed by God's kind and patient and loving and forgiving heart. And when David is writing this, he is painting a vertical and horizontal pictures. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. You can't even measure heaven. As far as the east is from the west. Does the east ever meet the west? Why? So far does he remove our transgressions from us. 
God's love for his people is immeasurable. His forgiveness is not partial. His forgiveness is total. And when we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, when we repent of our sin, it is forgiven. It's not like you and me, where someone does something against us, and we, and, and we, and we finally have that conversation that's always awkward. And then we say, I f- you know, will you forgive me? And they say, yeah, I forgive you. Come on. We, we have really good memories. That's not how God works. For as far as the east is from the west, for as high as, as, a, as heaven is from the earth, so much as his love for us, so much as he cast out uh, our transgressions. Settle this in your mind right now. Settle it. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Never. Our needs never exhaust his supplies. Period. That is what this psalm is telling his people today. To those who fear him, this is all for you. He has shown us so much forgiveness and compassion. What these short verses mean for you and for me is that in spite of our rebellion, in spite of my rebellion, in spite of your rebellion, of our repeated disobedience, God has steadfast love for you and for me, for those who fear him, for those who are in Christ. So all those times when you're banging your head against the wall and you're kind of like, how in the world could I possibly do this again? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. He has compassion for his sinners like you and me. Today, if you are in Christ, we, rest, we can rest in God's everlasting love whatever our circumstances. Remember, before someone takes my words and twists them, verse 17 and 18, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to his children's children, to those who Keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. How do we know if you fear the Lord is that you're seeking to be obedient to God? And then in verses 20 to 22, there's this final, there's a call to praise God. The songwriter ends his song with a call to praise him. This isn't an individual call like we see in verses 1 to 2, but a call for all of the heavenly creatures who are serving God to join together with all creation in the praise of God. Like, this is revelation, man. When you read it, when all heaven is saying, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. When all God's people are coming together, all creation, God's people praising Him isn't enough. Now everybody else has to join in because they're amazed by what God has done. 
So David comes and he calls all the angels and all creations to join in the praise, the proclaim the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. You and I and the angels are all creatures of the same creator and subject to the same king who rules above his creation but also reigns within it. And we praise God for that. So what? In Christ... God shows his love and justice by forgiving sin and showing compassion towards his feeble people. This song reflects on the faithfulness and the goodness of God who delivered Israel from Egypt under Moses. It calls people to praise God for his continued acts of mercy, uh, acts of mercy and forgiveness, his merciful forgiveness and his sustaining grace. The psalmist's theme is announced on the outset at the very beginning. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Yes, his benefits are astounding, are amazing. Because he does not deal with us according to our sins, but instead casts our sins as far away as the east is from the west. After all, our Heavenly Father knows our frame and is eager to show compassion to all who rely wholly upon His grace. Folks, this is what gets me up in the morning. Reflect on God's forgiveness and compassion for those who fear Him. If this is not you, I urge you to confess your sins and rest in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Come as you are. He will receive you. Empty-handed and he will enrich you. Guilty and he will forgive you. Trembling and he will reassure you. As Ray Ortland would say, in Christ, God shows his love and justice by forgiving sin and showing compassion towards his feeble people. Let's pray. Father God, we bless you today. We stand in awe of who you are and what you have done for us. That in Christ we can have all of these benefits that we see in Psalm 103. You show so much compassion for sinners like me, like for us. So God, may our worship reflect all the benefits you have given us. May we not forget all of them. Remind us this day. And as we go, may we be sent, be a sent people, declaring all that you have done for those who fear you. May, our, may you use our witness to call people to yourself. May your kingdom grow here in London. May people come to know you and all your great works. Lord, may we settle this in our mind right now, that your love never ceases, that you that we can never exhaust your supplies. This is what the psalm is telling us today, Lord, and I pray that we would remember it. Remember that in Christ, you have shown us love and justice by forgiving our sins and showing compassion to us who are so feeble. And amen.